Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. All right, this episode of Enough About Me, as they all are, is brought to you by my great friends at Milton's, the store for men at Chestnut Hill Square, Chestnut Hill, or Social Plaza in Braintree. I go to Chestnut Hill Square. That's just me. That's the way I do it. Uh, it's the best place out there. Again, I'm not a great dresser, God knows, but Milton's makes me look like a million bucks, and I thank them for that. I'm going again next week. I'm going to bring Ken Laird there, Mike Bonansky there. He's going to fix those guys as well. That's really all you need to know. <clears throat> is that he can fix Mike Manansky, Ken Laird, and Chris Curtis. When I say he, I mean Dana. But I mean all the great people at Milton's. The service is great. People are great. The prices are perfect. You'll get a great deal, I promise, and you'll look like a million dollars. Go do it. I don't do a lot of these things where I say do this, do that. I'm telling you, go to Milton's. It's the store for men. All right, I'm going to do a mailbag here today. I have a couple of guests actually already done. But I just was in the mood to do a mailbag. I do two or three a year. I think the last one I did was in June. So we're going to do another one here. Before we start, I'm just going to give you a little bit of show news. Uh, the the producer of Enough About Me, Ben Kinchin, and I have parted ways. He will no longer be producing this podcast. Uh, we had a fight on air last week uh, during my thing with Dale and Holly uh, and Rich. Our Ben came on. We went back and forth, and he said I offered him the job when, when our producers left the regular show. I said I didn't, though we had talked to him. It was semantical, really. We would have, I would have hired Ben. No problem. I like Ben. Uh, Ben's a good producer. Um, but we didn't offer him a job because Jerry didn't know about it. But we talked. We definitely talked like Jerry talked to Andy. But that wasn't even really it. I just felt like it had been a year and a half. Ben is very busy with that show. He's the executive producer of the station. I think he has other things that are more important to him right now than this podcast, which I totally get. I don't have an issue with Ben. I like Ben. Ben's a good producer. He's a good guy. He works hard. On my end, I have no uh, no ill will at all. He worked really hard. was a huge part of this podcast. I've thanked him a million times. I cannot thank him enough. Uh for what he did on Enough About Me, but I just want to try a new voice. And maybe it'll be a fucking dis- disaster, and I'll be begging Ben to come back in two months. Definitely possible. I haven't really talked to Ben uh, since I decided to do this, uh, since we had the, the initial conversation or text back and forth. Uh, but <clears throat> I have nothing but good things to say about Ben Kitchen. Good producer, really good guy, really cared about the podcast. I consider him a friend. I hope he still does as well. I don't know that. Uh, this is usually how it ends with me. But Ben was a good guy, is a good guy, and uh, was a uh, really, really, really big part uh, of what this podcast has been. I cannot, again, uh, thank him enough. Uh, And we move on. I'm looking for a new uh, podcast producer as we speak. I've talked to a couple of people. So we'll see how that goes. So we have one in the can uh, that we did a couple of weeks ago with the uh, writer of uh, Ghost uh, of an Innocent Man, which uh, Benjamin Racklin's his name. And I'll run that either this week or next week. I may throw you a little bonus one next week as well. Um, but I really enjoyed that. The book is tremendous, and he was a good guy. Came in and talked to me for about an hour. We'll have that as well. Uh, I have one other thing I want to say about Ben. I forget what it was. I don't know, but I I, I, I can't thank him enough again. Uh, and, you know, he was not part of this this issue I have with the, the afternoon show. He's not part of it. Um, but, yeah, so he is not the producer anymore. We'll continue to look for one uh, here going forward. So I decided to do a mailbag. Reached out yesterday on Twitter. Felt like it was time to do one, just because I don't know. I wanted to. Say, I was sick of being around people. That's why I get to be in a room by myself for an hour, and we'll just talk about stuff. Uh, I barely looked at these, by the way. I'm doing this right now, uh, so I'm going to go through it all. I asked yesterday, you know, any questions for podcasts? I'll answer anything. I'm looking at this. They printed out for me. Get you know, thirty pages of stuff. I'll start with Holly. Holly asks why you're lying about the NBC job. I guess he means Comcast. That's John J. Neal. Again, I don't, I'll read some of the. Handle and I won't because I think giving on handle is stupid, but sometimes I'll just do it by mistake. I'm not lying about an NBC Comcast job. No job was ever offered to me. I have not pursued a job at Comcast. I had a nice back and forth with, I think, the VP at Comcast in Burlington, which is NBC now last night. I finally said, you know what? I just don't feel like doing TV anymore. And I don't. I make enough money, luckily, right now, thank God. Uh, And I don't feel like going, leaving the house for a couple of hours and coming back. I just don't feel like it anymore. And I don't really enjoy that process, the stuff they talk about. Isn't really what we talk about, so I decided to uh, decided to tell them no more. And you know what? They might not put me on anyway. I have no idea. We talked a little bit back and forth, uh, but I'm just not interested in doing that anymore. What they do, six minutes, 
you know, you take this side on uh, the Bruins, whatever, or who do you think the Celtics? I just, it's boring. I don't think it works. I don't find it particularly interesting myself. Uh, so I decided to say, yeah, you know what? We're good. We're going to move on. Um, hmm. Discuss the, this is Lauren Gilbert. Discuss the process of adopting your daughter and becoming a father. Uh, okay, I'll do that. So, um, at the middle of 2006, we decided that, you know, we, we were struggling trying to have a baby. Um, and we didn't really think about adoption much because we were younger still. I mean, I was 31 at that time. Hadn't turned 32 yet. And, and all of a sudden, one day, sort of a light went on. We said, well, we should think about adopting. And I had never, you know, I grew up, I'm a generation still where if somebody was adopted, it was kind of weird. It was a little strange. There was a kid in my class who was adopted, and people kind of talk about it and had this odd, like I said, stigma attached to it. But I was excited. I said, let's do this. <clears throat> we were in California. We signed up with this uh, agency. This woman initially paired us with a local woman in California. We went out to lunch with her. We met her at Red Robin at a mall out in, the, in like Temecula, California, which is like in the desert. Had lunch with her, and she was pregnant. This was like her fourth or fifth kid. She was young. She had a nicer phone, I remember, than I had. She had really nice clothes. She had an early cell phone that was kind of fancy. I remember thinking, this girl is, is, has more money than I do. And that's what it was. She used this for a few months because you make a deal and you pay for their rent for a few months. You give them a little bit of money in exchange for, you know, I guess exchange for the kid, really. <clears throat> you pay for a lot of their, their bills, some of their bills. You make an agreement. And after a few months, she just stopped returning our calls and left. She absolutely fucked us over. And I think this is part of what she did. She probably went on to another family. So we were down. That was about November when this happened with this woman. She moved to like Oklahoma or something. And I remember I was working one day in uh, January and got a call from this woman, Patrice, who ran the adoption place. And she said, we have a, a family who was not able to uh, financially uh, make, come to an agreement, essentially, with this family. And there's a uh, family in Iowa, uh, a, a young lady in Iowa who's pregnant. Uh, would you guys be interested? And I said, absolutely, sure, of course. And she said, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm looking at it right now. You don't have the proper paperwork. Or you're not going to be able to do it. And I said, no, stop, stop, stop. Whatever it takes, we'll do it. Whatever it takes, we're going to do it. This was January, middle of January 23rd, I want to say. And she said, the baby's due February 10th. And I said, uh, you know, my wife was traveling on business. She was on a plane when this happened. I always think, God forbid, had I been traveling or not answered that phone call at that moment, would we not have Kate today, which I can't even think about. And she said, uh, okay, we have to do this, 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 and this. And for this process, obviously, you have to go through extensive background check. You have to have meetings with the counselor. They come to your house. You do fingerprints. You do this and that and this and that. Blood work. We do all of it. We finally get it done. Um, oh, boy. So we uh, feel like Jimmy Kimmel here. <laughs> so we, 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 we get everything done. We speak to uh, the birth mother, who is great. She's a great person. Uh, we love her so much. We owe her everything. And her mom... Uh, the birth grandmother, also a great lady. And it was just a simple thing where she said, you know what, I'm not going to be able to give this uh, little girl, we found out that day, the, the, the life that I think she deserves financially. She would have given her all the love in the world. I have no doubt about that. Um, she would have been and will be a great mom, not just birth mom, but a mom. So we get on the uh, plane from San Diego out to Omaha, Nebraska, we flew into to get to uh to uh, Iowa, Sioux City, where, where, where the baby was born. Um, and the one person I knew we had to have with us on the trip was my mom. Uh, I just wanted her around for it. She was, she's just, she was a positive person. She was so excited to be a grandmom. She hadn't had a grandkid yet. And we knew, you know, she was just somebody that we could, we could rely on, we could lean on. She would be there for us in that moment. We got off the plane in Omaha, and there she was with, you know, five million bags full of little kid stuff. And uh, we went there. February 9th, the original due date was the 10th. It got pushed back to February 12th, which was a Monday. We went to we went to the hospital. It's the first time we actually met the birth mom, met her. It was at the hospital. She had her sister with her and a friend and her mom. And it was awkward, but she was very nice. We just kind of waited. We waited all day in the waiting room and waited and waited and waited. My mom was there. This is my eulogy because I'm nervous. I don't know you know, if she's going to change her mind when, when the baby's born, which I can understand now. Or what's going to happen? My mom kept saying, it's going to be okay. She's going to be your baby. It's going to be okay. And finally, after, I don't know, it was about <clears throat> 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, a nurse came out and said, you know, the baby's been born. And an hour later, which was a long hour, 
uh, she came out with uh, little Kate, newborn Kate in her arms, and uh, and uh, we held her, and my mom held her, and my wife and I, and we took pictures, and you know that remains. And I love Harry, you know, as much as I love Kate in different ways, but that remains the greatest moment of my life, uh, holding Kate for the first time and and just just seeing her, and and and, and it was. It remains the greatest moment of my life, and there's so many people to thank for that. Uh, uh, the family in Iowa, the birth mom and her family, who we still see. Kate just saw Kate and I just saw them uh, a month ago. We went to Iowa for a weekend. Um, their whole family is awesome. Um, you know, everybody at the hospital was great and understanding and fantastic. And and uh, and my mom, who was there for us and had such a great relationship with Kate, and that still is tough. And they're going to play the sound and make fun of me. But that still is really tough uh, just to think about my mom in that situation and where she was and that whole thing. And it just meant a lot. <clears throat> so that's the process of adopting my daughter and becoming a father. And, you know, I make fun of, I get made fun of a lot in the show. And I make fun of my kids in a funny way in the show. But, you know, they, they've completed my life. I mean, that day with Kate was, again, the standard, the greatest day of my life. <clears throat> okay, uh, let me see here. Is Callahan putting on an actor as he's stupid as he sounds? Disgust? No, he's exactly that stupid. That is uh, Ed Miley. Let me go through a few more here. <clears throat> uh, let me see here. Well, the merge is done, so I'm not going to answer the merger questions. Why don't you have more barstool people go on? Uh, why don't you have more barstool people on or go on barstool podcasts? I've not been asked to go on a barstool podcast. I don't think that's not true. Portnoy, <clears throat> I don't know if it's a podcast or not. Ask me to go on that rundown. While I was suspended for Aaron Andrews, I just couldn't do it. They wouldn't let me do it, or I would have. God knows. I've had Dave on. I've had Jerry Thornton on, and I've had Feilerberg on. I mean, we've had three Barstool guys on. We tried to have um, uh, uh, Jared on, but he was a 98.5 at the time. So that was a no. I couldn't do that. <clears throat> Can I say this? I, I know Jared very well, uh, and I can't remember his last name right now. I know him. I've spoken to him. I have had a weird memory thing where I'm forgetting certain things lately. I don't know if that's part. Jared Carabas, of course. But I have blanks like that. And I don't know if that's just because I'm getting older. I don't know if that's because there's something else going on. It's like a still Alice thing. I'm almost afraid to find out. But I have that now. The other night, uh, there was that movie with Ben Stiller, Flirting with Disaster. It's a small independent movie. And I was tossing and turning. For some reason, that movie came to my head. I have no idea why. And I couldn't remember the name of it. And I would not go to sleep until I remembered the name of it. And it took me forever. It was like my brain was blocked. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to do it again right now. My daughter and I were in a car the other day, my car the other day driving, and she said, uh, we talked about a race the other day and how they had um, those drones that fly over the race, took a picture, and I couldn't think of the word drone forever. Then she said it to me. Then we told the story, talked about it again, and I couldn't remember. I said, Kate, can you tell me that name again? I'm actually worried. On the air a few times lately, I've just forgotten stuff. I don't know. what is that part of being for almost 43 now? Or is that something else going on? I have, no, I, I have nothing to compare it to so i don't know but it's sort of if it's uh, you know a, t- a three out of ten but sort of a weird concern right now i don't know all right f mary kill gary mutt and jerry Ooh, hmm i would marry jerry no i wouldn't no i wouldn't no i wouldn't i wouldn't i'd fuck jerry because i think he's angry i think that'd be a good hard angry screw I would kill Gary and marry Mutt because I think Mutt would be like a total pushover. I think I could run that marriage. It would be a nice change. So, yeah, I'd fuck Jerry. I'd kill Tangway because who cares? And I'd marry Mutt because I think Mutt would be a nice guy to settle down and have a life with. I really do. Uh, Brian Smithers wants to know if I shit my pants recently. Of course, in Florida, it's spring training. If you haven't heard that story, I was out running one day and had, had a weird meal the night before. My stomach did not feel great. And where our hotel is, you cross the street this busy intersection, and you start running through this massive outdoor mall, which is honestly like 10 minutes of your run. It's probably a good mile plus. And I was going right by a Target, and I said, I got to squeeze this out, and I sharded. And then in second, sort of a, a sequel of it came out, and it was all over the place. So I went in the bathroom at Target and changed. And I had to, not even changed. I had to wipe my ass with the, with, the, with the boxers and throw the boxers away, and I was all chafed. It was a disaster. I have not since. I am very lucky to have said that has not happened in the last... Uh, eight months, I guess. Basically, the course of the entire Red Sox season. That has not uh, happened yet. Let me see here. Uh, um, hmm. Need an oral history. Brett wants to know. He agrees. I got a couple of tweets on this. And the Dennis Finger pointing incident. 
Statue of Limitations has to be up by now. We've told it. There's not much there. Dino and I were sick of each other. We were angry. We were locked in a room for four hours every day when you wake up at 4 o'clock. Tensions rise. And he pointed his finger at me, and I was just that, that was a trigger. And I said, I'm not going to fucking deal with this guy who's sitting in this seat, who's mailing it in, telling me what to do by some bullshit clock. I was not going to do it. So I basically said, nope, you're not going to put that goddamn finger in my face. And we really, and this is the truth, never spoke again ever off the air after that, which made for some uncomfortable months, but what are you going to do? But there's no like smoking gun part of the story. Ooh, Mike Spector wants to know. I have like I have like 500 questions, so I'll go through as many as I can. What's a better Kenny Rogers song? Coward of the County or The Gambler? Everybody knows The Gambler sucks. It's overrated. Coward of the County is a good song, and Lady is a great Kenny Rogers song. I have no problem with that. Lady, your love's the only love I need. Great song. Uh, let me see. <clears throat> Another one. Marry, fuck, kill. Tony Maserati, Pete Abraham, or Rich Keefe. Um, ooh. Keefe, again, seems like... My issue with Keefe is just on air. I'm not a big fan of him on the air, but he seems like a very nice guy. I think I could settle down, marry him, and live a life. Then it gets tough. I mean, I guess I would have sex with Maserati and kill Abraham, I suppose. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Fuck Tony Maz, I guess, and kill P. Dave. Let me see. Um, hmm. What percentage of the show is real and what percentage is fake? I think it's a take on the Chad Finn. We all know that that's... Uh, bullshit. We four uh, A thing. People are asking, but I've already done that. Um, hmm. Let me see. What is the deal with the parody accounts like Sporty? Do you know these guys? Do you and Jerry talk to them behind the scenes? That is uh, Dibs four fourteen. I guess uh, the deal. I guess is they just sort of sprung. They kind of. I think it started with Sporty. And uh, sort of took on the life of its own. Uh, I don't speak to these guys at all. They've reached out on Twitter, like when stuff's happened in my life or whatever, and I've said thanks a lot. But I stay away. It's weird for me to talk to like Sporty R. McKenzie because he's me. It's just pretending it's a strange, like odd thing. But they're awesome. The parody accounts, I think, are a great part of what makes our show so good. Is And we feed off them, and they feed off, off, off of us, and they get the joke. Uh, and other guys, you know, Lou has an account and all that parody account. I know I understand all that. But uh, it's a big part of our show, and it, it's funny. It is funny. Uh, I enjoy those guys. They make me laugh every day. Sporty R. McKenzie yesterday had that tweet where he had the entire Curtis monologue that made no sense. He, he wrote it all out in like cursive and had the picture of cursive. He fucking laughed my ass off. Uh, Joshua Ploof Pluff. Ah, shit. I just dropped the other one. Um, hmm. One second. The most overrated movie and CD of all time. The most overrated movie of all time is... <sighs> That's tough. Because you can be an overrated movie and still be a good movie. Um, I would say the most overrated movie of all time is probably like a Midnight Cowboy. that won the best picture. Or, you know, is t- do people consider Titanic a great movie? It fucking sucks. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is the most overrated movie of all time. There you go. Forrest Gump. Most overrated CD of all time? The most overrated... You know, there are certain groups that I just don't get, like the Beatles or a group I've never wrapped my arms around, or the Who. Um, uh, the most overrated... This guy everybody says is great. You know, I mean, like Blue by Joni Mitchell. Everyone says it's a great record, a great album. Has anybody fucking listened to that album? That's bullshit. That's something people say. Somebody made a great point this weekend on Twitter. I read this story, and this is about the movie part, where they said the reason this Blade Runner sequel did so poorly... Uh, is because everybody pretends to have seen the first Blade Runner. And I agree. That's a movie people pretend to like. I put that in that category as well. But it's funny. They probably did a whole uh, you know, a whole $150 million budget based off a of fallacy. Um, hmm. Let me see. Is Boston too small for Kirk Minahan? I think it's New York or Return to L.A. Probably. I think that's probably true. But I'm stuck here. My kids are here. They're happy here. I have a good job making a nice living. I'm not leaving Boston. Sorry. I'm not leaving Boston. Uh, do you think Ordway slows down the 10 to 2 show with all of his constant interruptions of co-hosts and callers? It seems to wear on uh, Fourier and Lou. Um, I don't th- <sighs> hmm. He interrupts a lot. I will say that. But I don't think it brings down the show. I think the ratings have gone up since Glenn uh, has come back. Uh, I think he has a good interaction with those guys. I listen to that show a lot. I, I've said that. I think I said this in the last one. I listen to the midday show in the car a lot. I didn't listen to the old midday shows that much in the car. I actually enjoy it. They try hard. They try and be funny. They try to have a good time. 
It sounds loose. I don't think the 2 to 6 show does that. I think the 6 to 10 and the 10 to 2 shows do that. We're in lockstep, these two shows. And the other show has made the decision not to do it. Um, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's what Glenn and uh, Dale and, and Holly and Rich have decided to do. Whatever. I made my thoughts very clear on that. But these guys have a good time. They laugh. They break each other's balls. They shit on us. They shit on the other station. They play sound. They get sporty sometimes, but they but they enjoy that more than we do. But they do the other stuff. I said before, they have figured it out. They have a good show right now. So, no, I, I mean, Glenn interrupts, but those guys make fun of them for interrupting. So I enjoy it. I, I, I have no problem with that. None. Uh, hmm. Do I shut it down after the show? Do I bring my work home? Uh, I mean, I... I bring it home like, <clears throat> I mean, I shut it down after the show that I'm not yelling and screaming and getting us pissed off. But I think about the show all day. I mean, we're texting Chris all day. We're texting each other. Jerry and I talk every day. We're on Twitter all day reading stories, trying to figure out if this is going to work, if that's going to work. But that's nothing. That's part of your job. I mean, that's what you're hired to do. Other hosts of the station don't do it. Uh, they come in at a certain time and leave at a certain time then do another job and don't care as much. But, you know, then there's a reflection of that. There are numbers that reflect that. Uh, I happen to care a lot, and so do Jerry. So does Jerry and Chris and Ken. That's a reason why the show has been so successful, I think, is maybe the biggest reason why is everyone's invested. That wasn't the case before on this show. I mean, I bring it home, like, you know, stuff this summer uh, with the Red Sox and stuff or with, you know, Aaron Andrews, that shit. Sure, I bring that stuff home, but, like, like if I get into a fight on the air, I have an issue. No, I don't care. But when dumb shit happens, work shit, like everybody else, of course, sure, you bring it home. Uh, hmm. Let me see. What else? Oh, people want to know about uh, <clears throat> when am I going to man up and run the Mount Washington? No, I'm not doing that. Nope. Fuck that. Um, hmm. Let me see here. I have someone I liked. I'll get to it in a second. Have you ever had a media feud with someone who enjoys it as much as you did? Hmm. I don't know that. I, mean, I don't really speak to those people much. Uh, I don't know. And sometimes I don't enjoy it. Sometimes I actually get frustrated, like, you know, with the afternoon show. I'm I'm frustrated. They think they're doing a good job, so that's fine. Uh, and, you know, I like Dale a lot. I don't care for Holly, but I like Dale a lot. So, I, you know, I and I think Dale is frustrated with his own show, too, at times. He won't do it. But do do, do people enjoy it as much? I have no idea. There are times where I get enjoyment out of it. There are times where I don't. I have no idea. The people I feud with, I don't talk to a whole lot, to be honest with you. Why even uh, uh, entertain the idea of bringing Reamer back, somebody else asks. The show is rolling without him. He brings nothing to the table. Arrogant and whiny. Hmm. Well, here's the, here's, here was my thought on Reamer all along was <clears throat> my lifetime ban on him was because I thought Chris Curtis didn't ever want him back, which I totally understood. I think we're going to bring Reamer back. But if Curtis came in tomorrow or called me today and said, you know what, Kirk uh, or Jerry, given what he did, I just I can't have it. I can't have it. I'm frustrated. It, it upset me. Uh, what he did was shitty, and I just I can't find myself uh, to forgive him. I'll never feel comfortable again with him in the room. I would say, you know what, Chris? Absolutely fine. No problem. I really would. No problem. It's your call. We're uh, we're 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 absolutely uh, we're absolutely done with Alex until you change your mind. But uh, Curtis has changed his mind on it. He wants him to come back on the show. Or understands why he's good for the show. And so that's fine with me. That's fine with me. And Jerry obviously wants him back, and we'll see how it goes. And 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 if it's not good and it doesn't work well, we'll we'll bench him. I mean, that's 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 what we do. Uh, oh, Callahan forever. Speaking of the parody accounts, what is the one thing that you would change about the show today to make it better? Who do you want to see more of, less of on the couch? <clears throat> the one thing I would do to make the show better, I do think occasionally, and I am very guilty of this. Dina wanted us to talk one at a time. I have no interest in that. I do think occasionally, especially when I listen to the segments later on, when the producer's podcast or if I listen online, which I don't do much, uh, I am guilty of, I think more than Jerry even, of interrupting. Sometimes I literally don't fucking shut up while Jerry's talking. There, I mean, to poke, because when you talk conversation, you interrupt each other is one thing. But sometimes I think it gets to be too much. I'm guilty of it. Although Jerry and I, we fought yesterday. We're both guilty of it. Sometimes, and I've tried, especially the last few days, I don't know if you've been listening, where I'll say, okay, no, go ahead. I'll step away a little bit. Now, if I'm pissed off, I'm jumping in. But to jump in just to jump in, I think, gets to be a little tiresome. So I am working on that, taking personal inventory, trying to fix that. <clears throat> as, as, as far as the third person in goes, I don't like the cast and couch name anymore. I think it's, it's dated and tired and stupid. we got to come up with something else. Or, by the way, it's just the fucking Kirk and Callahan show. We have a rotating third. It wasn't, it wasn't the big show with, with the, the cast and couch. It's our show now. We are not going to have a third person. So we don't need to call it any dumb name anymore. 
I'm fine. If we have if we enjoy having Alex back, uh, and then for the first time in I think since the start of this a year and a half ago or whatever a year not a year and change ago, you would have <clears throat> Mutt, you'd have uh, uh, Tomasi, you'd have Tangway, you'd have Trenny, you'd have Alex. That's five, and then Jerry and I alone sometimes. That's essentially six. I think you're done, but we're always open to to bring in new people. Uh, Mark James, I think, is an interesting guy. We might bring him in soon. But, uh, no, we're always open to that. I just don't know how that's going to work out. But I don't really – I'm fine with everybody right now on, 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 in that third chair. Absolutely no issue. Um, we'll see how it winds up uh, with Alex. But right now, I think, that, I think it's, it's a pretty good little, uh, a little mix right now. Let me see. <clears> hmm. <throat> Question from David Linehan. Why do you think training is still single? What's the main reason? We've talked about this. I like training. Uh, maybe training wants to be single. But I do think with Trenny, she's a handful. That's okay. I say that with all respect. Uh, Trenny is a handful. Um, and she's, when you've been this single this long and you don't have kids and you're this age, I can't, she's like my age, basically, young. She's 40. If I had never had kids and never been married, a lot of stuff would be about me. So I think with Trenny, plus she's on the air. TV people are different. I just think she would be a lot of work. That's all. And by the way, I also think to her credit, she's selective. She could have married some drip, some fucking loser by now easily, but she has chosen not to. She's elected not to. So I think there's multiple reasons why. That would be my take. Hmm. But I got a couple of Barstool questions. It's weird. I'm not really sure what to say about that. I think I answered it. Uh, let's see some more. Hmm. Thoughts on your program director, Joe Zarbano. Are positive results circumstantial, or is he actually making a difference? I'll say this about Joe. We have our differences. God knows we have our differences. And being my boss, uh, I guess which he technically is, cannot be easy. Um, he does some stupid shit. He does some dumb stuff. We had a meeting yesterday that was the biggest fucking waste of time in history. We talked about this. We have fought uh, a few times already. Uh, but he lets us do our show. Right now, he's letting us do our show, and so is management. They're letting us do our show. If our ratings were different, would they let us do our show? They would not, but that makes sense to me. So we have big ratings, so they leave us alone, and we say some dumb stuff. We say some stupid shit, and they leave us alone. And Joey, by the way, has also had our back in some big spots here, and it's in, which I know is documented because everybody says that, but he actually has. And, you know, Wolfie and I had some problems. I liked Kevin Graham a lot, but, uh, but Joey, I think, Joey cares about the station more than Kevin Graham cared about the station because Joey's from here and he worked here. Kevin was a good guy, tried hard, had our backs in big spots as well, but it's just different. I mean, I've known Joey for almost 10 years now, too. I've known him since he's a kid, but, uh, but yeah, he's doing a good job. He's learning on the job as well, but he's doing a good job. He has our back, which is the most important thing, and he leaves us alone. Now, he, he may eventually not do that. I don't know what's going to happen as the years go on, but right now it is, uh, it is all, all good right now with the program director. That, that, that could change. Um, hmm. Let me see. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm answering that question. If Mutt wasn't your best friend, he wouldn't be on the couch, right? He's just so boring. And his best segments are ones you have to plan, like Battle of the Brainless. Well... I don't know. I, I enjoy Fridays with Mutt because it's loose. It's laid back. We joke around. And you guys have to understand, okay? I understand when Mutt's on uh, the weekends or whatever, he's, he's or on nights or that thing he does at night or whatever, he's boring. I get that. Or if he does Red Sox pregame, he's boring. But you have to understand the talent, not, or whatever you want to call it, the ability to allow yourself to get constantly shit on and be the butt of jokes for four hours a day with us and laugh about it and be okay with it is a talent in its own way. There is value there. I don't care what you say about sports or politics or anything. I, I don't. He allows us to make fun of him. He is the whack packer, the number one whack packer, the champion of whack packers, and that is significant. I can't thank him enough for that. He's valuable to the show, and by the way, he can fill in a pinch. He can fill in for me or for Jerry. Uh, <clears throat> now, Mutt Without Us is a different guy than Mutt With Us, and he is not yet... I think is not ever going to be comfortable enough to let that Mutt character on our show, that persona, which is more like Mutt, come on these other shows. He just isn't. He's just not ever going to be comfortable with that. He's not. I don't know why that is. I really don't. Uh, AJ Bennett wants to, he's asked, I got a couple of questions like this, and I'm not going to uh, <clears throat> have any answers really for you, I don't think. What advice would you give to someone trying to get in the sports radio industry, specifically the Boston market? None. I would tell you to find a different job at this point. You know, I'm guessing you're a younger guy. 
I, you know, well, I, my career is a fluke. It's a miracle. <clears throat> you know, everybody else, you look at the station, uh, Holly was around a long time. Glenn's been around for a long time. Dale's been around for, for a long time. Lou and Christian played sports. Jerry's been around forever. I'm a fluke. Like, you can't follow what I did. It's lucky. I happen to be great at what I do. That helps. But, you know, I'd tell you to find something else. Find a more stable job. You know, 10, 15 years from now, I don't know what you'll be doing. Um, hmm. This isn't really a question, but why does Jerry have to make Reamer and Trenny seem like there's something special all the fucking time? Asked Minor League Mutt. That's a parody account. Excuse me. God bless me. Woo! God bless me. Um. Yeah, he treats well. I don't know about Alex so much, but he sure treats Trenny differently than he treats uh, he treats others. There, there's, there's no there's no denying that we have a double standard. I think we all do with Trenny, <clears throat> and it's not fair to Trenny because I've said that before. I'm guilty of it as well. Sometimes Trenny doesn't fucking care. She's tougher than the rest of them, and we actually we actually cross what we think is that line and give her shit. She's totally fine with it. Jerry's a little older, and I think he feels a little uncomfortable with that sometimes. But I think he's 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 better with it than he used to be, you know. But you're right. I, I think that's if you want to criticize us and say we have a double standard uh, with Trenny, then 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 the guys are on the show. I think that's a totally fair uh, critique. Absolutely fair. <clears throat> uh, let me see. If Jerry died tomorrow, would you continue the show? Probably not the show tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, I would, what am I going to do? Retire if Jerry dies? I mean, he wouldn't retire if I died. Yeah, I'd continue the show. Um, I would uh, find a Christian Simonelli, I guess is his name. I would find uh, somebody else, probably Mutt, I guess, if I do it tomorrow and, and rotate third people in. The show wouldn't be as good. There's no doubt about it. Um, we would miss Jerry for a few weeks, and then we'd go on. We wouldn't think about him again. But yeah, I mean, that's a stupid fucking question. I have a living. I have, a, I have bills to pay. I have a family. I have, a, a, you know, Colleges and, and all kinds of stuff, mortgages and life uh, to worry about. So, yes, and I wouldn't retire at age 42 because Jerry Callahan's not breathing anymore. Nor would he at age 42 if I died, I don't think. I mean, he's 72 right now. He could die of old age at any time. What, did, what was said to you during the show when you buried the Red Sox and Sporty took over? Obviously, that was a big theme of, uh, of the questions here was what was my, <clears throat> you know, what happened. I talked about it on the air. I mean, I criticized the Red Sox, and I think, they weren't thrilled that I went after people individually in the organization, and uh, discussions were made uh, much higher up than me. And uh, I didn't work the rest of that week. Uh, you know, all I know is I got a paycheck for significantly less than my usual paycheck. So whether I was suspended or not, uh, that's all up to everyone else. I know I didn't work the rest of that week, and I got paid less than I normally do. Uh, nothing was said to me during the show. Everyone said it was a great show, but this is how it always works because it was. It was a great wild show. Um. But I know how it works now. Is I could feel it in the air. I knew whatever line there was, there wasn't. We weren't. We went over it. And so everybody said, "Great show, great show." I said, "Just wait a day or two. Just wait a day or two. And sure enough, a day or two later, meetings were had, phone calls were had, contentious phone calls were had. Um, and I was not working the rest of that week in the summer. Went back up to Maine, which was okay. I mean, you know, lucky for me, I usually get suspended in the summer and just go up to Maine. You know, I mean, eventually I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> all the money will uh, will upset me. But I didn't mind it, especially given everything that happened this summer. Totally fine with that. <clears throat> Mike Scanlon, Scanlon wants to know, how did you learn about Mutt's DUI? Okay, so we did the show. It was just me and Jerry, I think, on a Monday. And I got some texts from Mutt at like 9.55. Like, you got to call me. You got to call me right away. Call me after the show. Call me after the show. <clears throat> so I'm thinking, Jesus, what, what the hell is this? So we go in the office for a while, leave. And I call Mutt right away, walking out, and I'm thinking, you know, what, what's going on here? Did I see something stupid on the air? Did we catch us during a break? Was a mic on? Did I tweet? Like, you know, you never know. That's the other thing about this time is you never know when you've pissed somebody off or said the wrong thing or said some controversy or said something as a joke that somebody did not take as a joke. So I was about the show. And I called Mutt, and Mutt said, oh, I fucked up, I fucked up, I fucked up, I fucked up. Like four or five times in a row. So now I'm thinking... Did he do something like in that world on social media or did he did, 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 did he say something? Did he do something? What happened? He said something on the air the night before. I didn't know if he was on the air. I, I just didn't know what was going on. And he said, I got a DUI. And I was walking out to the garage to get to the car. And I thought, you stupid fuck. I didn't say that, but I said, oh, Jesus. And we talked. And I said, I'm going to go back in. 
uh, talked to Joey, the program director, and we're going to see what's going on. And the three of us talked. Um, and I think he felt better after that. And then we talked to some other people in the building as well. And he felt better after that. And look, I do think, or at least really hope, that Mutt takes this as a wake-up call. I think he will. I think he has so far. Uh, but he was terrified. He was terrified, I think, about his marriage. I think he was terrified about the way he felt as a dad. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated. And I don't think first on the list, but somewhere on that list, he was worried that he was going to lose his job. I didn't think he ever was. He got lucky in some ways because he didn't hit anybody. He'd never be in the car. It wasn't his third time. But I think he now knows this, which is that if he does this again, he's there is no conversation. He doesn't have to ask. He walks out the door. I mean, you know, you get two DUIs. Uh, as you should, by the way, if they said, you know, if they said you're out, it'd be hard for me to uh, to defend that. <clears throat> um, let me see. Another casting couch question, which we don't call it anymore. Uh, are you frustrated you can't find any fresh faces? It's essentially the same four or five in the casting couch each week. Again, I would say to you, who you got? I say this every time to people because the questions I get asked the most, it used to be, are you going to ever have a permanent third person? That's not really asked anymore. I think the people understand we're not going to do that. The people listen. Uh, but that's why don't you get somebody new? Do something new. And I say to them, who do you got? And they never give me any names. We tried. I mean, we've probably had 30 people on there, and we settled on a rotation, which was kind of always a plan. But believe me when I tell you, if somebody new breaks out or somebody you want to have on, they're going to be on the part. They are, if they want to, they are going to be on. Uh, they're going to be on the uh, on the show, no doubt. Let me see. Who are your biggest influences? Well, I've talked about that for sure. Uh, Stern is, you know, a huge influence. Jerry was a big influence. Uh, the stuff the Big Show did when he didn't, the non-sports stuff, uh, big influence. Mike and the Mad Dog, big, big influence. Um, hmm. What is your dream job at this point? ESPN shouting show, drive time, just doing podcasts a la Simmons or Clay Travis. I, I got to be honest. I'm actually right now professionally pretty satisfied uh, the stuff about TV is true. I don't really want to do it right now. I really like the show. I like what the show's doing. Obviously, we're doing fantastic ratings. Uh, it's working. We've we've struck a nerve at the right time, I think. And I enjoy it. I enjoy doing these four hours. I like the fact that I like everybody I work with. I like Ken. I like Chris. I love Jerry and Tangway and Trenny and Tomasi and Mutt. Uh, you know, I, I like that. I didn't like working with John. I didn't enjoy the experience at the end, the last year, year and a half. He didn't like working with me. He didn't like Jerry. Jerry didn't like him. I was frustrated with Curtis. You know, I take my frustrations out of other people. I had stuff going on in my life. Now I look forward to working. I look forward to the show where I was dreading it for a good year, year and a half and trying to get out of it. And they wouldn't let me. I was trying to move to other shows or do this or that. And, um, and now I enjoy it. And that will go away at some point. I have no doubt. But right now, I'm enjoying the show. The idea that our show, you know, is based on misery and, and not, you know, it's just in anger is stupid. We have more, we laugh more than any other show in the market. We laugh more than any other show in the market. We are more authentic than any other show in the market. We have a good time. We question things. We're not afraid to fight with each other. Unlike some other shows, we uh, are enjoying it and enjoying the success of it. So right now, I would much fucking rather do this show every day in Boston where I grew up and be in the middle of issues they go on ESPN and shout about Ben Roethlisberger. I no desire to do that. None. Drive time. I'm in drive time. I'm fucking, I am on a morning show, which is the most important part of the day by far. I would not want to move to afternoons. It's not as important. Uh, would I fight Dale in the cage match for charity? Sure. Why not? Though I saw him lifting weights. He looks like fucking Lou Ferrigno. I mean, I don't know if I want to deal with him. Um, hmm. Uh, Chris wants to know, how do you cope so well with the passing of your parents? I also lost mine. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm just saying that I don't really care that you lost your parents. Uh, I don't know if I cope so well with it. Um, there are days where it's fine, and there are days where it sucks. Um, and again, it's like I said before, I have nothing to compare it to, so I don't know if I'm coping with it well. I know that I get up and I go to work, and I'm with my family, and then I, I go to work again. Um, I go to their graves a lot. I didn't think I would go to their graves as much as I did. I go four or five times a week and I actually enjoy it especially this you know it's nice in the fall too it's it's not the weather's good and it's 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 peaceful and you you don't really talk out loud but you just sort of sit there and or stand there and think and just you know water the plants there and kind of clean up a little bit and I find it to be sort of calming in a way I like it I like knowing that that's there and I like bringing the kids there and talking about them and, and reminding them of things and then you know moving on and, and, and doing something else but there are days where 
it's it really hits you and knocks you over. And then there are days where you you don't think about it as much as the other days. You know, my dad died uh, five months ago. My mom died not quite four months ago yet. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's not true. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm sorry, that's right. Not quite four months ago yet. It'll be four months uh, uh, at the end of the month, the twenty second of the month. So you know, you just sort of you sort of go through. I have no, you know, I've been asked a few times from people. Um, I have no advice for it at all. Everybody's thing is their own. But you, you, what I would say was, what I would say is, you know, the idea of not talking about it or thinking about it a lot is dumb. You know, it dominates your thoughts, particularly the end for both of them. I think of a lot, and I think a few years from now, I'll think more of the full life than I do of the end right now. But the end is still so stuck in my head that you know, you, you, sometimes you're just knocked over and you, you find yourself sitting in the bed crying or at the grave crying or your car crying. It could be a song or a thought. Or anything. My mom's birthday was this past Saturday would have been her birthday or 67th. Tough day. You know, Halloween uh, will be a tough day because they were always there. They like seeing the kids. Thanksgiving will be tough. My dad's birthday's in November. Then the first Christmas. Then it'll be the anniversaries. And it's just the stuff. I mean, then you run into people who knew them or you get a letter from somebody or you just think of them. And they're, they're always, they just feel so present. You know, they just feel so present still all the time. And they were, I, mean, I saw them every day, every day, you know, multiple times a day. Um, and now they, they're just sort of taken away. Kate, my daughter, said, it just feels like they're on a long vacation. And that's kind of true in a way. You kind of keep waiting for the door to open and them to walk in and just sort of be who they were before they each got sick. But coping, I don't know. I don't know uh, if I'm coping well with it or not. Um, but, you know, I'm coping with it. It's, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Like I said, some days are fine. Some days are terrible. Favorite Tom Petty song? Oh, because I asked Brady that, maybe. Uh, I would say Rebels is probably my favorite. Or You Got Lucky. I really like that song. Uh, and I like A Face in the Crowd, that Petty song. It was a solo song. But I like that song, A Face in the Crowd. That's a great song. A tremendous song. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? I'm going to ask you. Get a few more, and I'll get out of here. <clears throat> I thought I saw a good one. Can you talk about the night at Foxes with Dino that you always hint at? We've talked about it three million times. I, I think people think I have like these 50 buried Dino stories. I do, by the way. But some, I, some we've told already, like the Foxwoods one was funny. I mean, you know, John was drinking at the time. Uh, he says he's sober now, which is great. If, if he's sober, that's fantastic. Uh, but he was drinking a lot that day. Uh, and we went to dinner at a restaurant at Foxwoods, an Italian restaurant. And he was looking to go to the bathroom, and uh, two minutes later, the, sh- the guy from the kitchen brought him back. He went to the kitchen by mistake, and he was bombed. And he had his bachelor party, whatever it was. But there was nothing really, uh, nothing really crazy about that. I don't think. Uh, I mean, a lot of these questions are the same, you know. Uh, a lot of these questions are the same. So I, I don't know. I'll, I'll ask. I'll answer one or two more, and I'll get out of here. Let me see. Hmm. How much money did your parents leave you? How much money do you have in the bank account right now? Uh, uh, well, you know, <clears throat> what's funny about it, hmm, do I get into this? 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 Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, here's what I'll say. Um, I think like there's an idea some people have that, you know, when your parents are gone, like when they die, that, you know, the second one dies, say they're gone. You, you got some money like the, like the, 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 the your parents stops breathing you know, immediately there's a knock on the door and somebody comes in and hands out checks. Not how it works, obviously, if you've gone through this. It's a whole process, a whole legal process, and, and you have to do this and that, and there's paperwork and there's bills to pay. And we still get bills from my parents every day. We're still paying them. Uh, they left a very, very fine inheritance, and I have a make a very nice living anyway. I'm very lucky in that it's just something I can put away and not worry about. Very, very lucky uh, that I make a very, very nice living. But, you know, what you learn is, my brothers and I, Adam and Ryan, sort of sat down. Oh, jeez. It's one of these goddamn... So my number is uh, a 781 phone number, right? And uh, what they do now with these calls is... So it's 781-424. So good luck finding my finding out my number, I guess. Those are the first six digits of my number, right? So now I get these cold calls from 781-424s all the time. Like, you guys having that as well? So goddamn fucking frustrating. When did the... When did the like the, the the bullshit calls on cell phones start? Anyway, uh, my brothers and I sort of made a pact with my. We've always obviously not had a great relationship. I think I talked about this in the last podcast too. Um, and we sat together at the start of this. Really, when my mom got sick. Both my parents then were, were 
you know, had terminal cancer. And we said, all the shit we've had in the past, all the tension, it's gone for now. We're just going to get through this together. And we did. By and large, we did. Really, I mean, my brothers were great during the process. Unbelievable. Um, and then they, then my parents were gone. And then there was stuff that really between my other two brothers more, ironically, actually not in the middle of this fight, which feels odd in a way. But they're mad at each other. Things happened. And one brother more than the other is frustrated at the other. Uh, about stuff, financial stuff. And this happens, you know, you learn, you talk to people and they say, yep, this happened with me, this happened with me, this happened, this happened all the time. So now I'm in a weird spot where I don't have any parents anymore and my brothers are mad at each other and they're not going to get along anymore. You feel like your entire family that you grew up with is just sort of gone now in a way. You still talk to each of them individually, but they're sort of gone. It's this very odd thing where you know you were a family for a unit for whatever amount of years before you start your own family but obviously they were still always around and now you kind of have nothing that part of your life is gone um yeah my mom's sister and is still very close to our family and her daughter as well but you know i've talked about her brother who uh was not great you know my parents you know took them on vacations and paid for things for them and and were very uh uh, uh very kind to them uh, over the years, very generous. And when my parents got sick, they just kind of ignored them. And their kids did the same. And I had a big blow with my uncle uh, on Father's Day while my mom was upstairs in the home hospice. The two of us yelled and screamed at each other. I did most of the yelling for 10 minutes. And, you know, he didn't come to the wake or the funeral for my mom, who we saw every day, only talked to every day for his life, and was very close to. And I sometimes feel bad in a way for him, but then I think of him not being there at all when my mom would be crying and saying, I just want to talk to my brother. Why won't my brother call? Why won't he come around? Why won't he see me while she's dying and her husband is dying? So then I think, fuck him when that happens. And then I'm okay. But, uh, but that part of my life is gone. They're gone. That family, I'll never speak to them again. So now I've lost my parents, my uncle and his family. Not as big a deal, obviously. My brothers are fractured. So it's a very weird, very weird situation right now. And it's upsetting in some ways, but then it also at the same time, you know, what are you going to do? You know, it'll work itself out or it won't, but that's sort of what's going on. Right. Now. I remember the question originally, to be honest with you, but, uh, <clears throat> let me see. You want me to do one more? You want me to end in a depressing one? You want me to end in a stupid one? What do you think? Let's do one more. Is it ever intimidating to work alongside a, uh, war hero? It is, but, it, but I mean, again, you know, I have to imagine like the guys who work with MacArthur or Patton or Schwarzkopf, or any of these people, you just look at them and you admire the things they did for the country. You, all you can do is thank them every day for their service. And, uh, and and I do every single day. You can ask Jerry. How close is Mutt to being fired after his incident? I, not that close. Not that close. I, I, I never got the sense. And, and by the way, I, I don't think he should have. I, I think he, he fucked up. And, and, and if he screws up again, he should be fired. No question. But I, I don't think he should have. Like if somebody across the street got popped for a random DUI and they got fired, like you know, Mark, I'll just say Mark Bertrand. I don't think that would happen. Uh, I'm sure he's, you know, wouldn't do that. But if he did, I'd say, you're going to fire him for this? Really? I mean, you can if you say it's bad publicity or if sponsors threaten to, to pull up. But if they don't, you know, I don't think you do that. For one, I don't think you do. Uh, okay. Let me see. Hmm. Yeah. No. Did you know John Dennis was a pompous a-hole before joining the show? And if not, when did you realize you wanted to force him out? That's Kyle Moley. Uh, I obviously I had worked with Dino a few times before, uh, filling in for Jerry. The only person on air I had never worked with was Jerry. Uh, I'd filled in on the midday show. I'd done a lot of afternoon shows uh, uh, with Glenn, the old Glenn and Holly show, and with Michael when Glenn was out or when Holly was out. A lot of them. I did a few full weeks with those guys, um, and did a lot of midday stuff. And I did probably six or seven shows with John. And I was sort of new and trying to figure out my way. Uh, I knew John was different. I knew he was quirky, but you know, his producers would be really critical of him when he would leave the room and Jerry would as well. So I knew pretty early on that there was a different vibe going on in terms of forcing him out. I just didn't think he cared as much about the show as I did or Jerry did after a while. And he was older and I understood that, but I wanted to get on and try my own show. And if that meant, you know, forcing him out or sort of getting into a war, I was willing to do it and see who would, uh, who would blink first. So I don't know. I would say around. 2000, end of, middle of 15, maybe, I was kind of like, all right, I'm ready to move on. I mean, Jerry and I had talked about it. We were ready. that We wanted to try some different things. But, you know, uh, I don't, like, I I have no hatred for Dino anymore. It's over. Like, it's it's fine. I, I mean, if I saw him today, 
I'd say hello. I mean, he may not. He may hate me. I have no idea. But that part of it is gone. Like, I kind of accomplished what I wanted to. I've had a chance to try my own show so far very early on. Uh, it's good. Okay, that's it. I'm done. We got a few interesting podcasts coming up. Like I said, I like this Ghost of Innocent Man book. Uh, this Benjamin Racklin wrote. And again, you know, it's a podcast. Like, Jerry will make fun of the podcast. He'll think it's boring. But it's a really good book. I hope, it, I hope it helps you sell a few books because it's a fucking great book. So I'm going to drop that, as we say, hopefully, if Ben Kitchen uh, allows us to, if, he's, if he hasn't locked up or destroyed all the old podcasts. Uh, some point in the next week or so. I wouldn't mind doing a bonus one next week because I know you guys, a lot of you guys complain it's every other week, um, but I'm not doing it every week now. That, 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 that world is over. So that's enough about me. Uh, that is the uh, mailbag. I'll do another one maybe before the end of the year. It's October now. Yeah, I'll probably do one in December. And Harry and Kate are bothering me. They want me to come back in. So I don't know if you guys want me to do a podcast with the kids again. I may do a pod- mailbag-, mailbag podcast with Kate and Harry over uh, Christmas break. I have no idea. We'll continue to look for producers uh, for the podcast. I have a couple of names in mind. Uh, this will be up uh, Thursday, yeah. So I don't know if I'll have a producer then or not. I'll give you an update uh, if we do. And I might even do a thing where I occasionally update the stay of the podcast here within the podcast. You may get some of that maybe once a week or every other week or so, sort of within the week, giving an idea of what's going on. So that is uh, the Mailbag Podcast brought to you by my great friends at Milton's, the store for men. Uh, we praise Milton's all the time because we mean it. We love the guys in Milton's. We love the people there. We love the clothes there. We love the fact that they actually care. You walk in there and they care about you. You cannot go wrong. I, I know I say this all the time, but it's true. If you're a guy who wants to look good and has no idea what they're doing, go to Milton's. They will make you look good. That is a 100% guarantee. Milton's sponsors enough about me. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.